Hello and welcome to Bad Songwriter Podcast. I'm your host, Anna Holmquist. We're here today with Jessica Risker. How are you? I'm good. I'm hanging in there. Thanks for being on the podcast. It's exciting to have you. Jessica is such a great songwriter. There is a performance that she did where she covered a bunch of Beck songs at Cafe Mustache years ago that I still think about regularly because it was so good. (laughs) Oh, that's great. (laughs) I miss those days. Yeah, that was back in like the Cafe Mustache when it wasn't expanded and we were playing in the corner. Uh (laughs) (laughs) When did you first start songwriting? When I got into college, so that would have been like 18 or 19, but I didn't finish any songs. I didn't have something that I would call a completed idea until I was like 28. Oh, wow. So I would play, but it was really hard to finish them because I wouldn't be happy with them and would make, I have all these fragments, um, but nothing that was like a, a complete idea. Did you start on guitar? Did you play instruments earlier in life and just not write songs before that? Yeah, my mom taught my brother and I both piano at a pretty young age, and then I did flute and band, and then I wanted to play in the jazz band, so I kind of barely learned saxophone and trumpet. Then I definitely gravitated towards the guitar, and that has been like my main instrument ever since. But yeah, so I would play a lot, and it was always part of my life, but writing didn't really become something that I wanted to try to do until... I I think maybe I wanted to do it, but I didn't attempt to until I was like 18 or 19. Was there a reason, do you remember, why you finally started writing songs or it just happened? I just wanted to. I just thought it was cool. (laughs) It'd be a cool thing to write songs. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Um, It definitely, it was, but it was a struggle. It was like, I mean, it really took me a lot to do it because I was, there was such a big gap between what I could do And what I wanted to be able to do. And that was really, really frustrating to the point of feeling very discouraged and getting in my head. Now I'm much, I'm able to be much, you know, kinder with the process and I'm more experienced now. But, but yeah, it took me a long time to kind of push through that. Yeah. I mean, that's not, it's a hard process, right? Like you start writing songs and maybe you're not that great at your instrument or like, it's just not a thing that you've done a lot of and it's it's tough it's it's tough not to feel hard on yourself because then obviously if you're playing songs for people they're going to have an opinion on whether they're good or not you know and so if somebody's like well this song is not very good it can be tough to push past that oh for sure yeah and performing I didn't even do till I mean like way down the line but I, I remember asking one of my friends who would write songs um you know back when I was just starting out if it got easier. And I remember him saying like, he didn't think it got easier, but it became more possible. And I feel like I think that that's true to this day, for sure. Yeah, that makes some sense to me. I mean, I still, I mean, I've written at this point, hundreds of songs. um, But I still have points in life where I'm like, that's it. I'm out of songs. I'm (laughs) never going to write one again. This is it. (laughs) Like I go a month without writing a song or something. I'm like, I'm tapped out. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> but I think that's probably a lot of art. <laughs> oh, yeah. You go, go through periods of feeling good about it and feeling very terrible about it. Yeah, that's definitely my experience. I think that's true for a lot of people, too. So you have some songs here for us to listen to, some old recordings. Mm-hmm. Uh, which one do you want to listen to first? 
Let's see. I'm looking at them right now. We could do the uh, the France song, the France piano song. Great. Uh, anything you want to say about that before we give it a listen? It's just some context, I guess, is I, I did a study abroad in college in France, and I lived in the engineering dorm of this school, um, and in the basement of one of the buildings, there was a piano, so you had to go get a key, and I didn't really know anybody, and I didn't speak any French when I went over there. And oh, wow. So I would just like... I, I wanted to kind of work on this and uh yeah so I made this in the in the basement and and I had I used to carry around a tiny little uh, mini cassette recorder like with me all the time so it's very you'll you'll hear the sound qualities from that all right let's give it a listen Recorder sound. That's like it. That's the whole idea. <laughs> just repeats it's wild that you went um, to France and you couldn't speak any French and you were doing study abroad there yeah yeah it was um, it, yeah it was uh, they just kind of got you like over there and then they just let you go <laughs> it was it was crazy like trying to like figure out where things were and yeah, it was kind of a hard year, actually, but um, but I'm really glad for the experience. What what were you in school for? In, what are you, in France? Mm-hmm. That was like, it was a program to learn, it was like a French studies program, so the idea was to learn French, French culture classes, that kind of thing. There was lots of international students there um, to kind of do the same thing. Cool. Was it helpful? Did you did you learn French? I would I wouldn't I know some French, but I'm I'm certainly not fluent. I wish I had learned it a little bit better. But but yeah, I mean I definitely had some great life experiences there and would love to go back sometime. Yeah, it's sure. beautiful. It's yeah. beautiful. Let's listen to another one here. Okay. Which one should we do next? We can listen to either one of the digital orchestrator ones. Let's do the the not the bossa nova. Okay, one, the, the other one. So I'll give you a little context for this one. So when I was in, this was a junior in college. I went to France my sophomore year, and so when I came back my junior year, I lived in the dorm again. Most people wouldn't do that um, at that point in school, but I did because I just wanted to make sure I was able to meet people. And so this guy down the hall gave me this program, which at the time was like, you know, a big deal is digital orchestrator program, which is a music sequencing software, but the sounds are super corny. And I would kind of toy around with this. It was never intended to be like, the sounds were never intended to be like the finished thing. This was like how I would quote compose my, mm. my ideas. So the sounds are really cheesy and the next two songs are, are made on that software. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's like 
like a video game. Yeah, totally. there like another fragment but you know i pictured it with real drums and like you know a guitar yeah. like really heavy and like i was like i could hear it in my head um it sounds super corny but but yeah that's how i would write i still to this day when i make my um lullabies i still use the piano roll logic and i click them in the notes in uh note by note in the same way that i use that digital orchestrator program that's so cool. I mean, you know, sometimes that's just like how you got to use what you have to like get your ideas down. Mm-hmm. So if you're hearing like the full orchestration of something in your head, sometimes you have to use a thing with cheesy sounds. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's listen to this next one here, okay. the Bossa Nova one. Oh, yeah. really delighted by these sounds. (laughs) I know. I was listening to a lot of, I think this was at the time, a lot of Nouvelle Vague. Do you know that band? No. They do these covers. Um, but they also, they had this kind of sound. Did you have like lyrics and melody in mind too, or just the instrumentation? I think like this melody line would have been the sung part. Gotcha. I didn't, don't think I had any words to it. I might have had words, I can't quite remember.
of these ideas and turn them into like songs i did i um my first band which was called absinthe in the dirty floors we took some of these we didn't do this one but yeah i had i have so many of these I don't know what you would call it, compositions, I guess. That was the basis for our first album, was like trans- translating them to real instruments. And that was that was hard for me because, you know, real bands, real, real instruments interact much differently than how all those instruments interact. And it would sound really different. And now I write differently knowing how, like, the real instruments are going to sound a little bit better and play. Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, I have so many. I would... I used Reason for a long time. Have you ever... Propeller heads, Reezer, I think it's propeller head. Um, anyway, but it's the same thing. And I just have so many of these like MIDI tracks that have never seen the <laughs> seen the light of day. And they all sound like kind of like that. Right, so, right. Yeah. All right, we have one more track to listen to here. Million Dollar Band. If there's anything you want to say about that. This, this one, I kind of like tried to capture a little bit of a progression. Um, so this Million Dollar Band was one when I had sort of switched to working with real instruments at home. I think I... This is just, like, the way I was trying to flesh out this song. And I actually think there's, like, a good song in here if I could do it right someday. But, um, yeah, this was just, like, maybe a a couple years down the line where I was trying out... um, Yeah, I don't know what else to say besides that. (laughs) That's fine. Okay. (laughs) Let's listen. Okay.
I forgot about the banjo interlude. Yeah. to like put that out in a public way but I feel like if the chaos were a little more controlled and it was just it could be a good song but uh yeah I I definitely hear that that the beat is like this it it was like a wooden chair that had wheels on it and I would just like stomp on the chair (laughs) and I could barely play like any of the instruments but but yeah so that was that was maybe a few years later just trying out recording stuff um yeah it's weird to listen to it Hey, Anna here. I just wanted to take a minute to recommend another podcast to you if you like music podcasts, which I assume you do because you're here listening to this. This one's called Weekly EP. It's hosted by Cody Swanson, who's based out of Berlin, Germany. They feature different musicians from all over the world who premiere a brand new album that they wrote and recorded in just seven days. After listening to the record, the podcast dives into the instruments that they use, different recording techniques, creative process. You can expect things like bedroom pop, German ambient electronic, noise soundscapes, folk rock, and everything in between. Um, So if you like learning about music process and hearing about that kind of stuff, which again, I assume you do because you're listening to this, go check them out. I'm going to be doing one as well coming up, so you can watch for that. Okay, back to the episode. How would you say your songwriting process has changed over the years? Um, I think that I used to try to imagine all the parts, and now I'm much more thinking about leaving room for maybe other musicians and what they might bring, and much more flexible on what that could look like. I was very rigid about that at first. I was like, mm-hmm. just really attached to my ideas, even if they weren't that great, because um, I think what other can, people can bring can be so much better. Kind of leaving that room, I don't know. In some ways, I feel like I can hear a little bit better, but some days I don't think that way at all. Um, in some ways, I think I was more experimental or creative. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I think definitely my finished product is way less raw than it used to be now. How many bands have you been in or iterations of your band? I mean, you're doing stuff under your name now. Yeah. And then I did Deadbeat Project, um, which sort of came out of when I was working with the Absinthe and the Dirty Floors. That was sort of a response to me wanting to just kind of make music on my own and not have to wait for the band to like how often they could practice or get together or whatever. Um, right. So that's basically three, three main projects. 
Um, I'm interested to hear about how this time has been like affecting you creatively. I know, I mean, it's really cool. You've been doing your music therapy sessions Mm -hmm. with a bunch of musicians, which I think is like an awesome project. But has this felt like a time where you've been able to focus on music and write it and create or? I think because I'm doing the songwriter club, which you're part of, um, Mm -hmm. that, you know, we've moved it was going to be before before all this started, the quarantine it was going to be like once a month um, just to allow for the busy, busyness of life and not feel too much pressure. But since all this started, we've moved to every two weeks. And so every two weeks we have this space where I know at least a handful of people are going to listen to a track. And so I've always worked really well with deadlines and that kind of accountability, knowing someone is going to listen to it. So I feel like I've actually been... You know, the music that I was working on with my full band was paused, obviously, because we couldn't get together and, like, flesh out ideas anymore. But because I do have this other side of songwriting that I do that's way more, you know, folky and and not really as dependent on other musicians that I'm, you know, essentially putting together a new album right now due to these songwriter club songs that I've been writing. And a lot of them are definitely inspired by the experience, you know. I think... It, initially for me it was a little difficult to sort of be working on stuff but now I'm I'm working on a bunch of songs and, and projects mm-hmm. I guess it feels like a I have a lot of free time now <laughs> that I didn't have before and so um, it's nice that sometimes I'm able to use that to like work toward albums and and musical projects and things like that since I really can't be playing any shows or I can be playing live stream shows but they take up much less of my time (laughs) right you know and some of the people I've been talking to like on music therapy and also just in my own counseling practice which I'm still doing from home you know some creative people have had a really difficult time accessing that like creative space because they're stressed out and about life and I think if you're really stressed then you know you need that sort of hierarchy of needs to be addressed before you can move up to like and if you're worried about your your income or right. how things are going to play out, it is going to be harder to come from that space, I think. So in many ways, I'm really fortunate that I'm still working. And so I have a certain sense of security for the moment that I think gives me some brain space to put towards music. But I know that's not the case for everybody. Yeah, same here. I feel really fortunate to still have a job. I mean, plenty of people in plenty of industries do not have that. And so I think if that were the case for me, I think things would be a little different. (laughs) Certainly. Yeah. What are some things you've been listening to lately that you've been enjoying? Uh, It's it's weird. I really haven't been listening. I listen to when I do, you know, the music therapy interview sessions. I'll definitely like spend the day listening to that person's music. um, And I've really enjoyed doing that. This this may not be specific to the pandemic, Maybe it is a little bit, but I feel like lately I'm so overwhelmed with choice and like with music and there's so much good music out there. And sometimes that feels like it's hard for me to, I kind of compare it to how people talk about, I'm I'm fortunately not in this stage, but like online dating where there's this Uh like massive amount of choice that's really easy to just like flip by people and you don't really like dig deep with, with anything. And I kind of feel like that my relationship with music has been a little bit like that. But that being said, like I, I've listened to uh, when Chicago artists are putting new stuff out. I've I've really spent some time with that. 
I'm really into Destroyer. I've been listening to a lot of children's music because my little guy is he's really into it right now and he's learning lots of words from the song so oh cute i love that so that's going on too but there's sort of a nice innocence to that music that maybe isn't terrible right now yeah yeah i have to agree with that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i really always loved your um music box lullaby (laughs) music as well i think that that um is a really neat project how did i'm so interested like how did you get the idea to do that and how do you get the idea to like put them on the the little music boxes well so speaking of the digital orchestrator days like my very first one i made was on digital orchestrator and that was like when i was 19 and i always had thought to myself i want to make lullabies some days just short sweet little instrumental compositions and i just like the idea of that and so when my brother had his, you know, baby, his uh, first and only baby, he, I wanted, I was like, kind of like, this is the perfect opportunity, you know, I, w- I want to work on some music, and I can kind mm-hmm. of make this as a gift, and kind of flush this idea of how I've had for years, and then I, at first, was not sure how I would, um, how I would bring the songs to life, I wrote them again on the Logic Piano Roll, much like the Digital Orchestrator, and then I was like, maybe I'll have you know, maybe someone can play them on the on the piano, or I didn't know how they were going to sound. My mom gave me, my parents gave me for Christmas a, one of those little music box kits, and so I had been tinkering with that, and then I realized that that would be, like, the perfect. There's, like, a certain amount of restriction to them, because this is, like, the biggest one you can get, and it's 30 notes, so you have to kind of write, uh-huh. keeping that in mind. You can't have a very big range. Once I figured out that the songs transcribed really well to this, I'm holding up a, my music box right now. Um, <laughs> then it was just like I got really excited about it, and that's how the idea came together. That's super cool. Yeah, I just I love that. Yeah, I mean it's kind of different, but I mean the thing is, is that you can you too can own a 30 note music box for like <laughs> forty dollars on Amazon. <laughs> and, it's really uh, not bad. It's not bad, um, and I think there's much more you could do with it than what I do. I mean, I do pretty traditional music with it, but you could do like so much cool delay pedal and all kinds of stuff. That there's a lot of potential for those things. I'm sure someone's out there doing it, but <laughs> maybe so. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll have to research after this. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Bye. I miss you, my friends. But it's not the end. Hey, thanks for listening. You can find Jessica Risker's music on the internet everywhere you find music. And you can find us on Instagram at Bad Songwriter and on Twitter at Bad underscore Songwriter. If you are interested in being on the podcast, you can email me at badsongwriterpod at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying the show, please share it on social media, share it with a friend, give us a review, subscribe, all those good things. It really helps us out. Okay, we'll catch you next week. Bye. I know it's been hard and it's probably far